Hello and welcome to another episode of A Fresh Perspective here on Heaven We're Thinking. Today we're in Luke chapter 3 and we're going to do the first nine verses. So I'll read it and get right into today's topic. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, Tetrarch of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, Tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping of repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So as we look at this section, it may be a familiar passage. What is important in this section? Uh, well, there's several things. I think that, like, I love the first verse, right? And the first two verses, really, because it shows us once again that God cares about details, mm. right? Why, why are these details in? Well, it pinpoints what we're talking about, right? Mm. There's no, there's no, oh, it could have been here, could have been here. God, God wants people to know truth. He wants people to be able to look at it, not get caught up in all the, what well, was it here, was it here? As he says, this is exactly what it was. The mm. 15th year, everybody can go and see the 15th year of Tiberius Caesar, right? So, you know what's going on. This isn't a, was it in his first year, 30th year? God God cares about details. And if he cares about it here, he probably cares about it in everyday life. And we just can't get there. We think God is way up here mm. and he's just, you know, hands off, doesn't really care, broad things, try to be a good person, do this, do this. No, God cares about the details. Mm. Absolutely. And we, we've seen that already in Luke, but we see that all throughout the rest of the book of Luke, where God is extremely uh, detailed, where there, there's so many things that wouldn't need to be included. Luke chapter 3 is is a primary example of that. And we're going to see that in a couple weeks when we look at the genealogy. If you don't think scripture is detailed, I would beg you to look at Luke chapter 3, because this is all about names, uh, times, places. It, it shows us just the historical accuracy of Scripture and how incredibly detailed it was, uh, unlike any other kind of documents we have uh, in today's world uh, from ancient times. Uh, this is so unique because it is so detailed. Uh, so it set, really sets the stage by here. Here's all the details. Let's get all the controversy out of the way, and then let's get right into uh, what was John the Baptist supposed to be about. Uh, so as we turn to that, uh, what do we see about John the Baptist in this section? Well, first of all, we we see that he was prophesied about. Hmm. So Isaiah, the prophet, tells us about John the Baptist, the prophet. Right? Hmm. So uh, that's super important because, again, God cares about details. He's fulfilling to the very detail, right? Hmm. John the Baptist was in the wilderness. Well, we already know that, right? We know why he was in the wilderness. We know what he was eating. We know what he was wearing. <laughs> and we know what he was doing in the wilderness, right? All those things God told us ahead of time were going to happen. Listen, you don't normally think of people going out to the wilderness to find the prophet. Mm. We, we normally think of the prophet maybe like Elijah and Elijah and them being out in the wilderness, but they always came to the people. Mm. They, they came to the king, they came into the cities, they came, and when you saw the prophet, 
you went the other way. Like you don't you don't want <laughs> to see that again. How many people ask Samuel, "Are you coming in peace? Are you good? Are you, is there a problem? Like what what do you you, you didn't want the prophet coming to your house, mm. right? He stayed in the wilderness. Nobody cared until you needed him, or he came and said, "Hey, you guys are off track, right?" But the message that Isaiah talks about John, like how crazy is it that he's preparing the way of the Lord, making his path straight, right? And then every valley should be filled, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight. Every and the rough places shall become level ways. All the flesh shall see the salvation of God. Like what an incredible, uh, incredible prophecy! That like, God's going to mm. make a way for everybody. And not only is he going to make a way for everybody, he's going to make the path passable. Mm. Right? That, listen, you were just talking about it in Mountainside Thoughts. The rules, the laws to being a Jewish person in tune with God, we're out of this world. 613 mm. of them. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And God says, I'm going to make everything a whole bunch easier for you to get access to me. Absolutely. And it's all leading, making straight the way for what Jesus is going to do. It's all preparing uh, Jesus's ministry. And we're going to see that uh, right after this chapter when it really switches gears into what Jesus's ministry is all about and how he's going to uh, bring about that ministry. Uh, but in this chapter, we really get uh, the way paved straight for what, what Jesus is going to do. We, we see all these people, as you said, it's unique that they were going out to John as opposed to him going out and trying to share his message. The, the people were coming to him. So there was something... Uh, that was unique enough about him, and we know he was unique, uh, that people were drawn to him, uh, just as they were drawn to Jesus. Uh, And Luke is is very specific about that, that just like with John the Baptist here, the the crowds went to Jesus wherever he was. If he was in a solitary place, they would go and find him, and he just couldn't escape from them. There was something that was drawing these people to both John the Baptist here and then eventually to Jesus. Uh, So it's interesting when we see that, and certainly... Uh, we know what that unique factor was. It was the, the truth of God's word, the truth of the message that these uh, that these two men were preaching was God's salvation, all about what God was going to do. And people were drawn to that. Uh, and we see that sometimes they were drawn to like the, the miracles, but in this case, they were drawn yeah. uh, actually for the message here. And so uh, we see that message uh, what is his message to the crowds here uh, in verses 7 through 9? Yeah, so, I mean, imagine you get a whole crowd of people in your church, and the pastor gets up and says, you brood of vipers, mm. why are you here? Why, why are you a bunch of morons here? Right? Why are you evil, off-track people in this church? Mm. That doesn't go very well, right? People would be leaving immediately, right? It, it, John the Baptist looks at them and, and like, hits them over the head with the fact that, you all are evil. Mm. You you need to repent for the evil, for the for the things that you're doing that are wrong, right? That that's an incredible message because we're so far away from that, it's not funny. Mm. You do not call people to repent. We try to make them feel better about their sin. We try to justify their sin. We try to and, and God says, repent. Mm. Right? But I think the last part of this is what is scary, right? Even now. Right? The axe is laid at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And you and I were talking about this yesterday on the way home from church and other people. We think God's joking. Mm. Right? When God says the way is narrow and few will enter, we just think he's kidding. We just think, oh, well, we'll just make our own rules and God's going to be beholden to him. Listen, 
just because I say I'm going to heaven doesn't mean God has to let me in. Mm-hmm. Right? I can go. I can stand outside the richest house in the, in the world, the castle that I want. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean I own it. Absolutely. I, I think it's really important that we understand that. Uh, and it's important to see that he's not just preaching a message of repentance here, but the message of repentance comes right before what people are going to, going to have to see in Jesus. Uh, and so there's, there's this concept in Christianity that we don't preach or teach, uh, that we have to repent before we receive Christ's salvation. We like to skip to the part of, I just received Christ's salvation, and yay, everything's great. Uh, We don't like the repentance part. And yet, when we see in the book of Luke, and in the rest of the Gospels, when we see what's going on, there's this clear as day uh, proclamation that people need to repent first, that we need to take care of business with God by saying, I am a messed up person. I need to examine myself, lay my sin down at Jesus' feet, and then I'm going to receive his forgiveness. But we, we like to just skip to that while I'm covered uh, by Jesus' blood, but we don't like to actually have to do any repentance. And so uh, these people certainly see, seemingly had the same problem as us where they hadn't been repentant, and John is calling them out in very harsh terms. And I think this chapter should be enough proof for any Christian, uh, that we are not called to be nice, tolerant, uh, always sweet people uh, to the rest of the world, and that we're supposed to just let people do whatever and be okay with it because we don't want to judge anybody. Uh, I think we are crazy for thinking that uh, because we look at Scripture here, and it's very clear. John did not tell these people that they were pretty cool people, that they were okay, that they just needed to tweak a few things and God would love them. No, he was very honest with them, that they were a brood of vipers, And that they were going to be thrown into the fire if they didn't repent. Uh, So I think we need to re-examine as Christians how we present the gospel to people. uh, Because we've taken out of it uh, the fact that we need to repent. Yeah, I think think what you just said was great. I think how I would sum it up is uh, we need to make sure that we're telling people they have a need for Jesus. Mm. This is not just a buddy-buddy friend. You know, grab a hold of Jesus and get into heaven. No, you need Jesus mm. to get him into heaven, to get into heaven. And so, again, your need for Jesus is based on the fact that you're a sinner, mm. that you can't get there yourself, mm. right? Like, you have to have Jesus. And if till we call people to repent and tell them they need Jesus, they just think that Jesus is a buddy, you know, that everybody's going to heaven, everybody's going there. We're just, you know, we're just, we're just friends with Jesus. Mm. Absolutely. I think that that's a great challenge for us to really think about how we are presenting Jesus to the world and to make sure that we're teaching people to repent and that we're doing it ourselves. Uh, So I really challenge you to read this section for yourself, uh, consider uh, these different thoughts, and then join us next time for another, another episode of A Fresh Perspective here on Heavenward Thinking.